So when I'm asked that question, it's like, how do you succeed? I, I basically say, do two things. Number one is persistence. You just can't give up. Doing a very bad job for years and any rational person would have quit, but just persistence is totally necessary. And the second half of that coin is consistent daily improvement. Over the course of years, which is what it takes to achieve one of these big audacious goals, you have to not give up first, and then every single day you have to come in and do something a little bit better. Welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go-to podcast for your career, your money, where we help you avoid the big mistakes and where we learn from people that have done amazing things. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside Silicon Valley Mets and interview coach, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And the only attorney that it's acceptable to like, Matthew McElroy. What's going on? Welcome into a business and thought leader edition of the Free Retiree Show. We're going to call this episode Making Big Crazy Dreams a Reality. Have you ever wondered what does it take to turn a business idea into a multi-million dollar company? Well, our next guest did just that. Our next guest, he is probably on his way to doing that on three separate occasions. We are stoked to be interviewing Jeremy Schneider. He's a wildly successful entrepreneur. He was the founder of an internet company called Rentlinks. He's also the founder of Personal Finance Club, which is a company that helps people achieve financial success. And he's also the co-founder of Nickel, which helps companies utilize machine learning. In college, Jeremy attended Michigan University. He turned down a lucrative full-time offer from Microsoft to start his own company. And with no outside funding, he was able to start an internet company in college and eventually sold it at age 34 for over $5 million. And currently, he's on a quest to grow Personal Finance Club into millions of followers, get over a million dollars in revenue a month, and grow nickel to over $1 billion. Guys, are you impressed? Yeah, again, how'd yeah. you get this guy? <laughs> What did you trick him into? Like we told him, what, always. what's your trick? I would say, hey, this is gonna be Oprah. We're, we're Oprah's guys, and they generally fall for it. And so, Jeremy, we got him the same way. But guys, this is awesome. Obviously, an impressive resume. What characteristics do you guys think the people that have achieved this level of success have? And I think why I'm really excited for this episode is I just really want to pick Jeremy's brain and figure out like how did you do this? Not just once but maybe three times in your lifetime. So what characteristics do you guys think these people like Jeremy tend to have? I think probably that two that I can think of right away are consistency, discipline. You know what I mean? Those are, I think those are key for, to be successful in anything. Yeah, I was thinking belief in yourself. When you, we talked about Jeremy turning down a lucrative offer from Microsoft, like that's not easy to do. Like he believed it himself. So I'm thinking like, most successful entrepreneurs I know, like they have a true like belief in who they are and what they're passionate about. I think that's like number one for sure. And I'll throw my guests in here and I'm looking forward to hearing what Jeremy has to say, but I think for a lot of successful entrepreneurs that reach that level, it's that ability to overcome failure and adversity. I know Jeremy's journey has been like exactly, but I'm sure it hasn't been that easy. We'll find out. But yeah, these are all like, I think 
solid things that we've seen and it's going to be really exciting to hear what he has to say we're going to go to quick break but before we do so make sure you like our show share us and if you have questions for us financial related career related legal related or even a question for jeremy make sure you send it to ask at the free retiree.com we're going to take a quick break but when we are back we're going to be sitting down with jeremy schneider Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We are sitting down with Jeremy Schneider. Jeremy, how are you doing, buddy? Great. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure, man. Like you have one impressive resume. And starting off, we were trying to figure out what do the people like you doing big things? What is it that helped you accomplish that high level of success? I mean, and you're gonna you you might do this three times in your lifetime. Three crazy, big, audacious goals achieved in your lifetime. What's your secret, man? Well, yeah, I mean, I should be clear. Some of those things you said are true and have already happened. And two of those, two of the companies have, one is currently happening and one is in its infancy. And so I do not currently have a billion dollar company. I hope to, I think maybe then I'd be maybe a bigger, a bigger land of a podcast guest. Yeah. And what's my, what's He also what's wouldn't be on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're getting it now before he gets that on. <laughs> and then I'm really going to Oprah. Yeah. What's my secret? It's such a tough question to answer because people are like, what do I eat? It's such a broad, open-ended thing. And so, and you guys kind of gave some of your guesses. And so when I'm asked that question, it's like, how do you succeed? I, I basically say do two things. Number one is persistence. And that's actually exactly what Matt said, which is like, you just can't give up. And like when I started in college, I started my company in college. My main asset, I think, was just like ignorance. I didn't know what I was going up against. I didn't know how hard it was. I guess I had some belief in myself. I more just had a belief that I didn't want to work for Microsoft at that time. I didn't really like that job. And so, but then it took a long time. I was doing a very bad job for years and any rational person would have quit. But just persistence is totally necessary because if you'd quit at the first sign of it not working, then everybody would quit because it doesn't ever work right away. Right. So persistence. And then the second half of that coin is improvement or what I call like consistent daily improvement over the course of years, which is what it takes to achieve one of these big audacious goals. You have to not give up first. And then every single day you have to come in and do something a little bit better. And those two things in combination kind of paint yourself into a corner where if you never give up and you're always making yourself better, you've painted yourself in a corner. Like the only place left to go is like eventual success, right? Because you keep ratcheting up what you're doing. And so, and, and it doesn't need to be huge improvements, right? You don't have to like learn how to do nuclear physics overnight, but just one little thing each day, one little improvement to the website better at social media marketing, better at building your product, better at email marketing, better at sales, whatever. And just one little thing per day over 365 days, that's 365 things you've done better. And if you don't give up for 10 years, then that's 33,650 things that you've been doing better. And those things this have this kind of cumulative snowball effect, which end up having these like big successes over time. But And one of my favorite sayings is overnight success takes about a decade because when you see it work, when you see someone who's been successful or see something that looks really great, you're like, oh, wow, like they just figured it all out. But what you don't see is like the grind of 10 years of them doing stupid shit. And eventually, I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Okay, good. Doing stupid yeah. shit. And then you know, eventually <laughs> figuring it out. So, yeah, that's my answer. 
Talk to us a little bit about those rough times. Like you said, you kept believing in yourself. There were probably moments where you're like, should I be doing this? When I started my company, my first company, I was literally 21 years old, like graduating senior in college. I, I was graduating with a master's degree, but it was kind of like a concurrent thing. So it felt still like undergrad. And I drew this line in the sand. I said, okay, if I can't have health insurance within a year, then I need to like go get a job. I need to quit. And so my first year of this business, I think our top line revenue was like $14,000. And that's before whatever meager expenses I had trying to sell websites or whatever I was doing. I mean, it was a tech company and yeah, I was just doing like custom websites at the beginning. And so I didn't have enough money to feed and house myself. And so I was paying for it with a credit card. I mean, that first year I racked up about $10,000 in credit card debt. So between you know, $14,000 of revenue minus maybe 4,000 of expenses. So I, I took home $10,000 to live on. And then another $10,000 in credit card debt. I lived on $20,000 that year. You know, that was in the year 2002 or three or something. So a little bit different than today's numbers, but still like not a very big amount of money to live on. And then the next year, a little bit better. I was making, I don't know, we're making like 20 or 30,000 a year. And so then I, my credit card debt went from 10,000 to $12,000. Then it was in year number three, where I basically was making enough to like you know, live off of. And so, and looking back as like, now I'm 40, looking back, it seems like it was a blink of the eye, but two years, 24 months, month in, month out, where you just, you see that credit card debt going up. But part of it's belief in myself, but I also had the privilege of having a pretty good safety net, both with like parents who weren't going to let me starve, although I never took any handouts from them, but I knew I probably wasn't going to end up on the streets. And also like my real safety net, as I consider, was like, I could just call up Microsoft and be like, hey, that offer still stands and if not Microsoft, <laughs> someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, early on, it was, it was pretty rough and got a lot of no's and had tried to sell things, didn't work. But over the course of years, finally got it working. So one thing I noticed is like you have three projects that you've done. You had Red Lakes, Personal Finance Club, you're working on Nickel, three very different companies. So like when you're deciding to take on an entrepreneurial endeavor, what is that thought process like? Is there, there, is there a strategy behind how you pick these things? Or did you say, well, I think I can make money in those spaces? Or did you have an interest there? I've actually started two other companies that I don't think I've mentioned oh, to you. So you're and just like, like a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I like guess so. This is like you know, a sickness. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that, but, you know, but it's over the course of 20 years. And so it's like only one every five years or whatever, one every four years. And so it doesn't feel like a lot, but except when you're saying them all out loud in the first five minutes of knowing someone. But, you know, I think they're all different reasons. Like, I, but I, I think it's all like a moment of inspiration, like a spark. And so my first one, when I sold for $5 million, it was just literally, I didn't want a job. I didn't want to go for Microsoft and I would have maybe joined the Peace Corps, done something crazy like that in my early twenties, but I was staying in my college town to, to stay near my then girlfriend. And so I was like, well, I'll just start a company. And so I was just literally, that was the thought process then. Another one, personal finance club, I literally started almost by mistake. I was basically super bored during the pandemic and I was now retired at 36 and I was just growing my, my hobby of helping people learn about personal finance and really bored and, and registered it as a company and started selling something. And then in the first week of personal finance club, having a product, we sold over like $110,000 so like the, my first week of personal finance club was better than my first three years of Rentlinks, my first company. Yeah. So different reasons. Nickel was even yet another reason where my buddy had started that company and I was helping him just as kind of like a consultant advisor, friend, whatever. 
And then I got really, I started thinking more and more about it. I was like, dude, I'm thinking more about your business than about my business. Can I have a job essentially? And, or can you make me a co-founder? And he said, yes. And so that one's, can we make this into a billion dollar company? That's like the real deal, not just like the fun hobby. So yeah, all different reasons, I guess. But I feel like business is like a very wide ranging thing. It kind of be whatever. There's really no rules other than like abiding by tax code. Otherwise it can, you can do whatever you want. I love how every time you get somewhat bored, you end up making something amazing happen. So that's a unique characteristic. I don't think we've had anyone that we've interviewed on this show before, but good for you, man. It's awesome that you've been able to do that. Thanks. Yeah. yeah for one one year after I sold my company, I, I was bored one day. I, I installed StarCraft on my computer. And then for a year, I played StarCraft 2. And uh, I'm like very mediocre gamer. And then I was like... I hated it. I was like, it was one like Christmas break where I like went on vacation, like, didn't play for a couple of weeks. And I was like, what did I do with that year of my life? I didn't build anything. So I came back and I uninstalled it and haven't played since. Because I, I prefer having a, looking back at a year and like, wow, I actually like, I built something. So that's fun for me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Personal Finance Club? I, I took a look at the Instagram and you got some amazing graphics on there. I mean, kind of take some really complex financial things and, and break them down kind of into plain English and make them simple. Thanks. Yeah. So like after I, so I sold my company at the age of 34, I quit that job. I saw so I was working for the company that acquired us for a couple of years. And then I quit that job at the age of 36 on very good terms. I still love that company, but I was ready to move on. And then I was like unemployed, retired, whatever. I was living off of my, the sale of that company. I had maybe two or 3 million bucks in the bank at that time because when I sold the company, I have to pay tax on it, all that stuff. So I ended up with two or 3 million bucks and then played StarCraft 2. And then what I really love doing, like my hobby, some people like paragliding, some people like surfing, whatever. I like helping people learn about personal finance. And so one of the things I do is meet with my friends who have never invested a penny and help them open up a Roth IRA. And we would jokingly call it personal finance club. We would like, you know, drink and you know, go to fidelity.com and, and buy index funds and just call it personal finance club. And so then in my early retirement boredom, I started an Instagram account and I called it personal finance club. And then just you know, what you guys talked about earlier with the persistence thing, I was like, all right, I'm going to become you know a social media influencer. I've just decided. So I'm like just going to read the books on how to do it. I'm going to follow the instructions and I'm just going to be persistent. And so like I started posting like once a day, every single day, like just cranking out new content. And the, my early content was like trash. It was really bad. Just it's ridiculous stuff that didn't connect with users at all. But I was trying to constantly accept feedback and learn what is connecting, what's not connecting, and then growing. And so, yeah, the first, I'd, I remember I was messaging people who had like 500 followers. Who do you want to partner? We're, and like, I had like 30 followers and and they said no, because I was, I was nobody. And you know now I have 280,000 some followers so, a couple of years later. And, and those guys now have a thousand followers. And so I think they'd partner with me now. I suspect <laughs> you're lost, <laughs> unnamed, small Instagram accounts. <laughs> Yeah, I think what I like is you've made super complex things, like super simple, kind of what, like what Matt said. I really like the 10 principles. And I think, like Lee, I know you're trying to do this as well, but we need to dumb down the financial industry so that the average person isn't so intimidated to get in. A lot of my buddies, are, they're just intimidated. They don't know what to do. But like, totally, like, it's not that hard. I think that's why my early content was so bad, which as I was trying to like be this intellectual and try to speak on these like complex financial topics. And the more I do it, the more I realize nobody knows how any of this works. Nobody knows just like the most simple basics. You know, I can't make 
a simple enough post. The more simple I make a post, the more successful it is because that's what connects with people and makes them what is a stock or what is money or what is interest or how does compound growth work? Or like, you can't make it too simple because when you do make it simple, then people are like, okay, this is accessible. This is something that I can do. And, and then you coax them into saying, okay, a few concepts here, it maybe takes a few hours to learn such that you can set yourself up for investing for your whole life. But we never really walked through that in school. Many of us don't have like great financial role models, like in our parents or our guardians or whoever who have walked us through that. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to do with Personal Finance Club is break down these like seemingly complex topics that can seem very scary when you like watch, you know, Hollywood movies of stock traders waving frantically white pieces of paper in the stock exchange and be like, that's not really what investing is. Literally just putting your money in a different type of account instead of a bank account, you put it in an investment account, buy a simple investment and leave it and let it grow. Yeah. So thank you. That's what I'm trying to do is make it simple. Did you ever feel like there was uh, something that ever held you back from investing? Did you ever feel like it was difficult? What were your personal feelings like going through the process? You know, I, I was fortunate. Like I had a dad who talked to me about investing. And so when I was 16 or 17, I got my first paid job where I was actually like filing a W-2. And then he very cleverly opened up a Roth IRA in my name. And the law of the land is you can't contribute more to a Roth IRA than either the limit, which is this year $6,000 or your earned income, which in my first year of having a job was like $2,000 or $1,500 or something. And so my dad actually took $1,500 of his own money, put it into my Roth IRA to follow the letter of law. And then he let me like keep the $1,500 I'd earned as a 16-year-old. But he like told me what he was doing. I understood that he was gifting me this money. I understood that this was an investment account. We picked out some mutual funds together. This was pre-index funds, the popularity they are today. And I was under the impression that this was a typical experience that everyone's parents sat them down and picked out mutual funds. And now as a 40-year-old, I understand that's very atypical. And you know, I mean, there's some people, maybe like 10% or fewer really are given that sort of education. Normal people are in their mid-20s, 30s, sometimes 40s when they're kind of wake up and be like, whoa, I don't want to just grind my whole life. So that's kind of where my early financial literacy came. And then when I sold my company for a bunch of money and I became a millionaire overnight, I really didn't want to be one of those stories where the garbage man becomes a lottery winner and winner and then becomes <laughs> a garbage man again. And so I was like, I want to become a garbage man again. So I, I just started reading every book I could on investing. And then you read two, three, four of these books and you're like, wait a minute, all these books say the exact same thing. It's not this like complex, crazy web of, you know, it's like complex worlds. It's like simple, spend less than you make, invest the difference, put it into the market, buy and hold, minimize fees. Like it's a very set, few set of like best practices and everything else is just noise and people trying to sell you stuff. But why do you think there's so much hesitation with people? Because I think you're doing a great service for all the people that are out there that are curious about it. But why do you think it, so many people have like analysis paralysis when it comes to you know investing. I mean, at the core, it's just education and experience, you know. And so, if I'm a brand new human to the world right now, and I walk in and just walk down the street and then see what comes my way, there's going to be like insurance salesmen and Bitcoin and day traders and multi-level marketing schemes and private investment deals and and basically everything I just said is other people's interests trying to get your money into into their system, right? It's not for your interest. And so to have the confidence to say, no, 
that's all noise. The real thing is this thing over here that's being quiet and no one's talking about because it's boring and there's not big commissions involved and stuff like that. It's scary, right? And to make the step. And so, yeah, it just comes down to education. I think when people see it and they learn it and then ex- explain, just like I had that epiphany, I was like, oh, it's everyone says it's all saying the same thing. And, you know, for me, I read a few books on investing, listened to podcasts, whatever. I like did the self education, but you know, frankly, like this is my hobby. It's not most people's hobby, and so I don't blame someone for dipping a toe in here and be like, "Whoa, that's a scary world." I'll just do nothing because it all seems dangerous to me. Yeah, no, I love where you're going with uh, a lot of the content you put out there because I think you brought up a good point. There is a lot of noise out. People trying to pull you in all different directions with products like insurance, annuities, all that stuff. And on our show, we're big believers in trying to sift through all the noise and just try to look at the data, the financial research that Nobel Prize winners have put forward, economists, and trying to look at that stuff instead of the fluff. And I think you've done a really good job with that personal finance club. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I'm a big believer in index funds, which is just a simple way to get your fair share of market growth. And no one's pushing index funds because there's not high commissions involved and they're not very sexy because no one gets rich overnight with index funds. But you know, when you hear getting rich overnight, it's, it's luck, not skill, but people misinterpret it. They hear someone who bought GameStop at the exact right time and made a hundred grand overnight. And they're like, oh, I should be doing that because they did that. I was like, no, that, that's essentially a lot of win. That's a gamble. That's gambling right there. It's a total gamble and that happened to get paid off, but there's a thousand other stories that you don't hear about people losing all their money because they didn't pay off, right? 100%. And so I should have kept my AMC shares though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, if with hindsight, I would be a Bitcoin billionaire living in Fiji, swimming in a swimming pool full of hookers and blow. But that's going to be a quote right there. That's, 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 that's yeah, the yeah. Instagram quote that's that's the quote right. for this week. <laughs> Yeah, with hindsight, it all seems obvious, but you know, looking forward, it's just not so clear because we don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, but you know, I actually am a proponent of with taking a small portion of a portfolio and like doing some speculative gambling because I think it kind of is like a release valve on that desire to like get your big next thing. And it is like a lot of ticket, right? So if you have ninety percent of your portfolio, I, I have a ninety ten rule. So with ninety percent of your portfolio, you buy and hold index funds. Never sell anything until you're tired. Just let it ride. Keep putting more money in every time you make more money. And through 10%, go nuts. Whatever you want. Oil futures, pork yeah, bellies, yeah. Dogecoin. Like, <laughs> you know, and if you lose your 10%, well, you still got your 90%. Don't go dig into your 90%. And if you do happen to call AMC right next time, then hey, maybe if all you need is a little, if you're that good at beating the market. Yeah, that's kind of a safe philosophy that we've had on this show is just know that 10%, you can put it there, but don't expect it back. It's out there and there's no reason that you should expect it back if you're not investing with anything that's backed by uh, years and years of research and time tested, right? So where do you see Personal Finance Club going? You've obviously made a wonderful following. People love what you're doing. What's the next step for you guys? I would love to be like the de facto go-to source for no strings attached, no ulterior motive, just wise financial advice. We're actually going to release a show. Actually, I didn't even mention this. This, isn't, this is actually the first time anywhere anyone's ever heard this. Breaking news. Um, yeah, it is breaking news. We thought happened. it was Oprah, but we're going <laughs> to take, take it anyway. Yeah, but we're going to start a show. We're going to do like, and you, you guys mentioned before about a live show. Like I, I'm planning to do a live show once a week where I just talk about topic of the week and just, but it's going to be the same thing every week, but I hope I can have a blend of making it interesting enough for people to want to tune in, but still not falling for any of the hype. You're not going to be predicting the next 
cryptocurrency or whatever. It's just going to be the fundamentals over and over and over. And I think we need a source to just keep getting those fundamentals beat into our heads because there's so much other noise out there that's always competing for, for our attention. So yeah, I would love to, yeah, and I'd love to grow to, like you said, a million dollar a month line of revenue. And we give 98% of everything away for free. And we just have one little course we sell to actually drive revenue. And yeah, just be a great resource like web, book, podcast, YouTube, Instagram. There's no, it's an amazing time. There's no shortage of ways to get yeah. the, the word out. And just a matter of like putting the work in. I mean, I'm seeing another, like another reason why PFC is awesome. Like you donate 20% of your sales to charity that's yep. yeah like, it's, that's, it's that's a amazing. crazy move i agree and it's not 20 percent of profits 20 percent of profits would be crazy but it's 20 percent of sales which is even crazier because it could mean it could put us into the red or whatever and the reason i was born is when i was bored during the pandemic and turned this into a company i was going to give everything away for free because i was like i'm not super rich i'm not even in the one percent right now i have four and a half million dollars or something at this point but i was like i can live forever on this and i'm happy more is going to make me happier and so I'm like, why am I charging for this? It's not just to enrich myself. And I came up with a bunch of reasons. One was that people don't really value free things. And so if I gave this like really detailed course about how to invest for free, people wouldn't value it, wouldn't take it, wouldn't finish it, whatever. Another reason was to fund the free content. So if I could hire to help edit videos or help create content, we can grow the, the mission faster, which I have since done. Vivi, I've hired. Hi, Vivi. There's two of us at this point. And then another reason is what you just mentioned, which is I could make this an engine for good and say, hey, if for every dollar that of course we sell, we give 20% away. And yeah, like I said, in the first week of doing Personal Finance Club, we did over $110,000. And now we're 10 months and we've done about half a million dollars. And so we've donated, I think, 90 some thousand, 95,000 dollars so far in the last 10 months, which is crazy. You know, we've I've like written some 20,000 dollar checks, they're big numbers, even for someone like me. And the charities are glad to get them. So it's just it's just a nice thing to be able to like do something that you really like and help hopefully have it be an engine for good. It's awesome, man. Makes me want to makes me want to sign up. I'm checking out the website now. Great stuff. Nice. It's all a big trick. I literally say, I say, I, mean, I put that in like, I'm like in my marketing when I'm like, I'm also an entrepreneur. It's like, the reason I'm doing this is to trick you into buying this. Like the reason I'm saying this right now, these words coming out of my mouth is to trick you into buying this thing. Like when I do sales, I was like, I am currently running a sale. I just made up this number. I just made up the sale. I'm only running the sale to like get you to buy a thing. Like other companies also do that. When you see an Amazon Prime Day, or when you see like whatever, whatever sales at Walmart or Kohl's, whatever, like it's just a trick of businesses to try to get you to spend more money. It's like your job to try to you know, limit that thing so you can build your own wealth. I'm currently playing that trick on you by running a course and it still works like people buy the course. So yeah, I'm, I, I lost. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask to, to just kind of maybe tell us a little bit about the course and what, what it offers. Yeah. So there's no secret. It's just basically, it's called how to invest or how to build wealth by investing in index funds. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, how to build wealth investing index funds. And it's just literally, if you're a regular person who wants to start investing for your future, whether it's early retirement or normal retirement in your old age or whatever, there's basically two things that I think are good to invest in. It's like stocks and bonds, the market, and investment real estate. And so- 100%, just, yes. Nice. I love when a financial advisor agrees. And like, like 100%. And those are the two things. Those are the two wealth generating engines of our economy, right? Everything else is nonsense, like insurance products and crypto. And, and I'm not trying to knock crypto. Like I have a very little bit of crypto myself and you certainly can't argue with its backward looking performance. But going forward, is there a really like fundamental analysis reason for it to continue growing? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, you hear the success stories, but 
I think there's more people that are going to lose their money in crypto than actually make it because they're going to make all the mistakes along the way. But yeah, I, yeah. topic you don't want to get too far down. <laughs> but we diverge. No, I agree. Yeah. Like, you, you like look at crypto from six years ago. It's like, but people didn't put their money in six years ago. People put their money in six months ago and it's down since six months ago. Um, but whatever. So, so yeah, index funds. So yes, you know, the, the market and investment real estate, but there's tons of courses out there and stuff about investment real estate. And uh, frankly, a lot more work you have to buy and deal with properties, but index funds, it's a very inexpensive, cheap, easy way. And so I basically have a course that walks through A to Z. What is a stock? What is a bond? What is a mutual fund? What's an ETF? What's a Roth IRA? What's a 401k? And it's got videos and it's got interactive quizzes that are kind of learned by doing quizzes. So it asks you questions and you kind of figure out what's happening. And then we kind of discuss it in the video afterwards. And it just, I mean, people just love it. It's, you know, and like I said, like I had this position of privilege, having a dad who basically taught me this when I was 17. But when you know people see it walk through very systematically, it's like the light switch goes on. They're like, oh, I just put my money in. It turns into more money. Got it. Um, yeah. So that's what the course is. It's on personalfinanceclub.com if you want to check it out. And how much is it currently? Uh, are you currently selling it for? Yeah. It's 79 bucks for unlimited lifetime access. If I was trying to like optimize revenue, I probably would have sold it for a thousand bucks. I think most courses of this type sell for like 300 bucks. That's 79 bucks. And we often have sales on my, not often, we do it like once every three to four months, not to bug people too much. And we put it on sale for 59 bucks. Um, in fact, this also wasn't planned, but if you're listening right now and you want to get for 59 bucks, you can use coupon code the free retiree. Oh, I love the, I love the sales skills. I love the sales skills, and I love all right. I love but it. I love the name too. What I'm about to say is to trick you into spending money that you wouldn't have spent <laughs> otherwise. This coupon code is only good for two weeks because we don't like those coupon codes hanging around forever. So, okay, it's good through October 1st. I'm literally only saying this because studies and experience show that if, if there's no deadline, people never act. So I'm putting a deadline on It's on October 1st. 50%, 54% of people buy in the very last day because they, they know that the clock is running out. So yeah, there it is. The free retiree, personalfinanceclub.com. I love that. Good job, Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for coming on our podcast today. I want to end with going back where we started in the entrepreneurial side. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or, or have ambitions of being an entrepreneur. When should they wave the white flag? If they're starting off, everyone's, oh, don't give up, don't give up. But you know what? I've been in business myself for a long time and I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of the true stories that are out there. And a lot of people do get beat up in the journey. Jeremy, that hasn't happened to you. But what do you say to the the people that are trying to make it? Maybe they haven't made it for a while. Do would you ever tell them that, hey, maybe you should look a different direction? No one wants yeah, to hear that, but that's a very fair question because in my opinion, I certainly see people who are trying who have no chance. And I'm not and not no chance at what they're currently doing. That maybe not no chance at anything, but I'm like, what you're doing is not gonna work, like for whatever reason. And it's very difficult if you're in that position to tell the difference between is this one of those persistence times or is this one of those never gonna work times? And frankly, like the future's not written. So maybe there is no exact answer. And so I, I don't know the answer. I mean, I think that's impossible to know, but I would say if you're not making progress or changing anything, if you're just doing the exact same thing and not getting any, you got to change something. And whether that's give up or whether that's change your business model or whether that's change your marketing or whether that's who knows what it is, but if you're doing the same thing, not getting where you got to give up, right? Uh, or you got to change something. So that, that's why I would consider it. Is, are you just grinding for no reason? If so, time to change something up. And that's what you've basically subscribe to, right? Is every single day, what can I do different? How can I get better? Yeah. There's this Japanese concept called Kaizen. 
K-A-I-Z-E-N, which stands for like continuous daily improvement. I think it's like one of Toyota's principles in their business, which basically says every single day, like one little thing. And again, not moving mountains in a day, it's just moving a little spoonful of dirt and then it becomes a mountain over time. And so, yeah, forcing yourself. Actually, another, and you mentioned about entrepreneurial stuff. Another entrepreneurial concept that I love is what's called Eisenhower's matrix, which is these four quadrants of how you spend your time. And you can break up this quadrant. I mean, this is a podcast, so you have to bear, bear with me, but you can break <laughs> up this contrast on two axes. One is important and not important. So you can, that. you know, half is important, half is not important. And then the other one is urgent and not urgent. And so most of our time is spent in what is called quadrant one, which is important and urgent. And so if you are building, a, if you have a small business or something, and you just have to run the business. You have to answer the phone calls and you have to answer emails and you have to sell the product or whatever you have to do just to keep the, the business going, S- spending time that important, urgent part. Then there's also not important and urgent. That's like stuff like insurance salesman, or not even not insurance salesman for business you might insurance, but yeah, like solicitors calling you or customers complaining about things that you shouldn't care about. And you, you're like work, spending all this time making a customer happy who is never going to be a customer anyway. So I was like, like, urgent, but not important. Then there's not urgent, not important, which is just like wasting time on Facebook or something. And then there's this magic quadrant or quadrant two, which is important, but not urgent. So it's things that are important to what you're working on, but not urgent for the time being. And when you figure out the things that you need to do that are important, but not urgent, those are where like the magic happens, right? If you are always in quadrant one, important and urgent, you're just spinning your wheels. You're not spinning your wheels, you're just maintaining trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. But the things that no one is telling you to do that are important to your business is how you make massive moves in your business, right? And so, for example, if you have like a bakery and every single day, some people come in and buy some goods and you're pretty busy, you could just spend all day baking cupcakes and selling them to those people. And then the next day you come in, got to bake more cupcakes, got to sell them, got to bake. But then nowhere in there do you ever build an e-commerce platform to sell cupcakes Nation ship them nationwide. Never in that cycle do you figure out a franchise situation so that like other people can take your cupcake platform and build it in other cities. Like never but the stuff that is these like these bigger ideas that aren't urgent, because like franchising your business is never going to be an urgent need, but it's for sure the thing that's going to make you a multi-million dollar company instead of just a, a small bakery. So yeah, there you go. Entrepreneurship tip. That was one of the best pieces of advice we've ever gotten on this show yes 100 <laughs> percent. ladies and gentlemen a, make sure a, you sign up for his uh dude, pre-retiree they, promo uh yes. was it personal finance club <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. what's Dr. the promo again <laughs> <laughs> so i mean to be fair like the, the course is about investing in next month not about entrepreneurship maybe i should have one about entrepreneurship but uh <laughs> that's yeah, the next personal, one yeah, yeah I, I think that advice though isn't even just for entrepreneurship like i I was even thinking about my, I work in Silicon Valley and it's easy for us to get in the weeds. Like I'm, I'm on a product launch team and we're in the weeds, but if we need to spend more time zoomed out in that other quadrant you're talking about to think about the big picture and the business totally. in five years from now. So I think it's not even that advice is for everyone. I mean, I'm yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Even like in your personal life, right? If you're constantly just going through your day and you're never thinking about like, how am I going to improve my marriage or get a new house or the stuff that's not urgent, you can definitely get in ruts there. So, and, and I love the clarity of that because it really forces you to like, when you look at your to-do list for today, you're like, do I have any quadrant two things on there? And so I even do like time blocking sometimes where I'm like, all right, 
there's never gonna be a phone call for this, but like for four hours on this day, I am just like writing down how to franchise personal finance club or whatever, because if you don't time block that, it's not gonna make time for itself, you know? Amazing advice, man. Amazing. Thank you everyone for listening. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA at www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.